0: So there's a lot more people out today uh, than I thought there was going to be. Uh, could be a good or bad thing. <laughs> it really depends. Uh, so today we're going we're gonna to dive into a pretty tough topic. Um, so I just want to open this time in prayer um, right now before we, we jump into it. So dear Father, we just come to you now. Um, we thank you uh, for this uh, opportunity to come uh, in such a turbulent, turbulent time um, just to be with other believers, God. Um, I ask for uh, uh, your protection uh, around us. Uh, just uh, keep us healthy um, and just uh, watch over each one of us, uh, God. Um, I also ask uh, for wisdom during this time. Just open our hearts as we, we dive into a tough, uh, tough topic um, regarding money, uh, finances, and uh, different things that can be uh, so overwhelming in, a, in the world we are today. Um, and we just ask for this uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, money. Money can be a tough topic to talk about. Oftentimes, it's something that we're not, uh, we don't talk about a lot openly in public, and even in our personal lives, too. At our jobs, often it's frowned upon to talk with our coworkers about the salaries that we earn. Sound job interview advice goes along the lines that we shouldn't ask how much we're going to be making at the job we're interviewing for. A common exercise in couple, that couples go through in premarital counselling is to talk about how much money they think they should be spending on certain items or certain categories of items. Even husbands and wives can have trouble talking about money. How much should they spend on a new car? Have they spent too much on impulse purchases? After all, maybe they're wanting to save up to buy an island property. When it comes to money topics in the church, it can get even more uncomfortable Does the Bible say that I have to be giving? I don't really want to ask, though, because then the elders and deacons will know that I haven't been giving regularly. Or good Christians are supposed to be giving, and I've been really meaning to get around to it, but I just don't think I could keep up with that, my current lifestyle, if I start giving. Are we allowed to ask others how much they're giving, or even if they're giving, if the church budget is getting pretty tight? You know, I have great respect for my wife, knowing that she needs to run fundraisers and ask people to give money to her on a monthly basis so that she gets paid a salary for what she does. I thank God that I'm lucky enough that I don't have to do the same. Because if I did, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't get paid anything at all. With all of these awkward feelings, but major implications to the Christian life, I feel as though it's crucial for us to look at this issue of giving and stewardship of our resources, as it plays a major part in our Christian lives. So let's start looking into those burning questions you might have with regards to giving. Oftentimes, when we talk about giving in the context of the church, it can be labeled as a tithe or tithing. But where did this idea come from, and what is it? Well, tithing is an Old Testament concept. It was present in the ancient Hebrew culture. Basically, it was a law that required the Israelites to give 10% of crops they grew and livestock they raised to the temple. It's mentioned in a number of passages and locations in the Old Testament, including Leviticus 27, chapter 30, Numbers chapter 18, 26, Deuteronomy chapter fourteen, twenty four, and Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5. However, the one passage that is often used by the church with reference to it, uh, with reference to the tithe, is Malachi chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 6 to 12, says, "'For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you,' says the Lord of hosts. But you say, "'How shall we return?' if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you the blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine of your fe- in the field, shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will, uh, you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. The tithe is also mentioned in the New Testament. Paul references the Old Testament law when talking about the priestly order of Melchizedek and comparing it to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 7. Chapter 7, verses 1 to 10 says, For this Melchizedek, King Salem, priest of the Most High, uh, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Uh, And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything uh, he is first by translation of his name, King of Righteousness. And then he is also King of Salam, uh, that is, King of Peace. He is without father or mother, genealogy or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, uh, though these also are descendants of Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them receives tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the the inferior is blessed by the superior. In uh, in the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one whom testifies that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. You see, a common misunderstanding of tithes is that it was a, uh, or, sorry, a common understanding of tithes is that it was a method of taxation present in the Old Testament. Now, did you catch that subtle language change? Tithes, not tithe. While the average churchgoer thinks that it's a singular and capped thing, the law actually required multiple tithes. For example, a tithe to the Levites, a tithe to the temple and feasts. And another tithe to help support the poor and needy of the land. These multiple tithes would have pushed the total to somewhere between 20 and 30%, depending on how you wanted to slice and dice it. So, if you were one of those more literal interpreting people out there uh, that was thinking, right on, 10% is required, I'm doing that every week, every month, every year, well, you better start writing a bigger check. Now, some people out there might ask, well, that's the Old Testament, and Jesus came to fulfill the old law, so we're not bound by it. That means I don't have to tithe, right? Well, yes and no. You see, technically speaking, the Bible seems to make it clear that you're not required to, make, uh, to give 10% chunks or upwards of 30% total of your earnings. However, and this is a big however, the Bible seems to make it abundantly clear that the vast majority of Christians, and I'm talking 99% of Christians in the developed world, should be giving something. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 3, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as ye may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come, and when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry, the gift, uh, carry your gift to Jerusalem. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8, Paul writes, the point is this, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You see, Paul says in his first letter to the Christians at Corinth that they should be putting some of their resources aside to be given as an offering. Though Paul doesn't say how much should be put aside, he does say that this should be in line with what Uh, You have been provided. So, simply put, if God has blessed you greatly with a lot, you should be putting a lot aside. If you don't have a lot, you aren't required to put a lot aside, but you should be setting something aside. In these verses, uh, in the verses uh, from his second letter to the church in Corinth, we see that this setting aside or giving should be done joyfully because uh, God loves a joyful giver the amount of which should be discerned from God. Again, though, and I'll be saying this often, you really should be giving something. Okay, so now that we've busted the 10% myth and we know that the Bible makes it clear we should be giving, the next logical question is, how much should we be giving then? Well, like I just mentioned, this is something that you need to discern with God uh, and what he has provided to you. With that said, though, A good starting point for someone who came to me and said, I have no idea how much I should be giving, what would you suggest? I'd say 10%. But wait, Paul, you just finished telling us that I don't need to give 10%. You're right, you don't need to give 10%. But this tends to be a good starting point for those who don't give regularly or are looking for a guideline. Start with 10% and see where that leads. For some, they'll give 10% and say, you know what? I have extra. I can give more. Uh, I can give more than 10%. While others might find that they're struggling to hit 10%. But at least you have somewhere to start. Now, I know there will be those of you out there that have this nagging thought in the back of your head. 10% of my income is a lot of money. I could buy a lot of blank with that. And therein lies the huge issue we have in our Western society. Money easily becomes Our God. The stats on church giving are incredibly sad. For example, only three to five percent of Americans who give to their local church do so through regular tithing. When surveyed, 17 percent of of Americans uh, state that they regularly tithe. For Christian families making less than $20,000 a year, 8% 8% of them give at least 10% in tithings. For families making $75,000 or more, the figure drops to only 1%. On average, Christians give 2.5% of their income to churches, while during the Great Depression, they gave 3.1%. 3. Three out of four people uh, who don't go to church actually make donations to nonprofit organizations. 37% of people who attend churches every week and identify themselves as evangelical Christians don't even give any money to their local church. In total, about 10 million tithers in the United States donate about $50 billion annually to the church and other nonprofits. Now, if Christians followed the Old Testament standard of giving 10% across the board, we would see an additional $139 billion become available every year for additional ministry work. People who tithe uh, tithe regularly also typically have less debt than other demographics. Eight out of ten have zero credit card debt, and 28% of them are completely debt-free, including not having a mortgage. Now these stats give us some interesting revelations when it comes to uh, giving for starters Not a lot of people give to their local church And of those who give not many give regularly We also notice that there seems to be a statistical tendency that those who make less are giving a larger chunk of what they make Now although we do need to remember these are only statistics They're incredibly depressing and I really feel that we need to give our head a shake. The Bible commands us as Christians to regularly give, and yet self-admittedly, not even a quarter of us do this. Along with this question of how much to give is often asked, well, should I be giving from my gross or net income, so before or after taxes and expenses? Well, when it comes down to it, that's totally up to you if you want to calculate it before taxes or after taxes. There tends to be a biblical precedent for first fruits principle, though, uh, that you should be giving a total off of, uh, you should be giving a top uh, off of the top, uh, coming before paying taxes and other expenses. But this tends to be laid back in the Old Testament. I find David Ramsey's uh, thoughts on the subject to be very amusing, but also true. He says, you can't outgive God. As long as you're giving to your local church, that's what really matters. I just figure I'll use the bigger number. And when I get to heaven, if I was wrong, I'll be okay. Another interesting stat I found was that one in three American Christians say that it's impossible for them to get ahead in life because of the debt they've incurred. So let's answer the question. I'm in debt. Is it okay if I don't give or should I still be finding a way? This is a great question, and definitely one that I think some uh, may have and be afraid to ask. In a Huffington Post article from 2012 entitled, Tithing in Canada, Churchgoers Divided Over Donating Percentage of Their Income, the author writes of an individual named Wes Prang. Quote, Wes Prang is a devout Christian who has given everything to his faith. Despite living on only $339 a month, Praying often used, uh, used to give money to his church. He did so because he was told that it would make him a good Christian. It nearly ruined his life. He says, I don't have a job. I was diagnosed and disa- as disabled, and I was living on unemployment. I had a monthly income of $339 a month, but I was tithing, and I continued to tithe when my rent went up, but my check did not. You see, this makes me mad because Wes was told a lie, that tithing would make him a good Christian. You see, the truth is that it's actually being a good steward of your resources, which God has given you, that makes you a good Christian in a financial sense, anyway. If we think back to the verse in 1 Corinthians, remember that we are told to give as we are able to. Also, remember that, according to the Bible, paying debt is a duty. Romans chapter 13 verses eight to 10 says, Owe no one, anything except to love each other for one, uh, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Part of being a good steward with your resources means being financially responsible, paying off your debt on time and in totality. Part of this also means that if we aren't able to give because of debt, maybe we should re-examine our finances and readjust so that we are able to give, using a budget and sticking with it. A common additional question to this is, well, I'm not in debt now, but if I start giving, I will be. I'd be very careful with this reasoning. Giving is supposed to be from your first fruits, as I mentioned, meaning that you take your giving percentage out and then you live off of the rest. I'd hazard to say that the majority of situations where people make this statement, they are taking their givings out last. And the Bible has some pretty harsh things to say about the priests who gave leftovers and unwanted as sacrifices. Being smart uh, about what you spend your money on also comes into play. Stats I was able to find pegged the average giving per week to $26. If we do some math, we get an annual giving of about $1,352. Stats Canada puts the average spending on eating out for Canadians at $2,229. Even out east, where the provincial average is the lowest, it's still $1,881, which is above the average annual givings in the church in general. Some people have an idea that tithing or giving other things apart from financially may fulfill this giving command. Some may comment, yeah, I don't tithe money, but I do tithe with my time or volunteering. While I think volunteering in the church is a great thing, and there are many things that couldn't function without volunteers, I would push back on this idea for a couple of reasons. Firstly, money is needed by the church and ministries. There's no way to get around this fact. Society has not changed from back in ancient times either to now when, uh, where money was needed. We read in Acts chapter 2, verses 45, that financial giving, even to the extent of selling land and possessions, was present present in the early church. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 45 to 47 says, And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together, breaking bread uh, in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts praising god and having favor with all people and the lord added to their number day by day uh, those who were saved not only this but the vast majority of christian if the vast majority of christians in the church took this approach how would the church afford simple things such as keeping the lights on or the heat running after all you can't volunteer electricity or natural gas Additionally, if this is your explanation for not giving to the church, I would encourage you to examine yourself for who rather than, w- or rather what might be your real God. The Bible in numerous places makes explicit reference to the fact that Christians are supposed to give financially and materially. First John chapter three, verses 17 to 18 says, but if anyone has Uh, The world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Take note, this uh, this verse explicitly mentions the material and worldly goods. Finally, if someone isn't giving financially but uses this excuse that they volunteer, instead, I would challenge at how much they're actually giving of their time. Statistically speaking, those that give more and regularly in a financial sense tend to also be those people who volunteer and give of their time the most in the church. Now, unfortunately, when we start talking about money and giving to the church, some people get their backs up thinking about teachers of the prosperity gospel. This is no more evident uh, than with how the outside society views the church and financial givings to the church. You see, pastors, preachers, and church leaders of these megachurches with massive salaries, private jets, fancy clothes, and cars. In the same Huffington Post article I quoted from earlier, the author writes, while some tout the importance of the tithe in in the Christian life, others are unsure. Both the economic impact of the tithe and the exploitation of churchgoers for financial gain and personal gain uh, by leaders of these megachurches have fueled anti-tithing sentiments, according to people interviewed for this story. Praying, an American from uh, Olympia, Washington, had a member, uh, was a member of a conservative Baptist church since he was five years old. He began tithing in his early 20s because his pastor stressed that tithing every Sunday was essential to his salvation. We were taught, he says, that we should not burden the church with financial troubles, but somehow it was okay for the church to go into debt and insist that we give more to bail them out. I've heard give till it hurts one to, uh, more than once. He said parishioners at his church were explicitly instructed to tithe even if they couldn't afford it. You see, this idea is incredibly unbiblical. I've read and heard many of these false teachers say things like this spreading these lies that you should give more than you can or give till it hurts and then give a bit more. But don't worry, God will multiply it and give you back even more. While I have no doubt in my mind that God is able to do this, I don't think this is what the Bible teaches when it comes to giving to the church. Referring back to Paul's letter to those in Corinth, he says, set aside money based upon what you have received from God not set aside as much as you can because god will multiply this money and give it back to you again we need to practice the idea of being good stewards with the resources we have that god has given us giving more than you can so much so that you're going into debt because you think god will double triple or quadruple it for you isn't being a good steward of your resources some additional food for thought if you're giving so that you're in debt you aren't even giving away your money. You're giving away the bank's money. God isn't an investment scheme. He isn't a magic, uh, magical money multiplier so that you can get yourself out of debt and buy that fancy new sports car you've dreamed about. Let me be clear. Can God do this? Yes. After all, Jesus did get his taxes out of a fish's mouth. But is this why we're commanded to give not a chance. If our motivation for giving is to be getting more money out of the deal, we've missed the point as to why we're told to give. Now, that's not to say there aren't financial benefits to giving. We're lucky enough to live in a country where we can get tax benefits and breaks for giving to the church and other ministries. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Now, when we go through these questions, there seems to be Uh, Another misapplied idea that you have to be a good in order to be a good Christian you have to be giving And for a number of Christians, this means they're guilted into giving when and wherever they are My father-in-law traveled to the the u.s. a while ago while he was there attending a church service with his brother um, The offering plate was passed around His brother dropped a few bills and passed it on to my father-in-law My father-in-law proceeded to pass the plate by without putting anything into it. After the service, my brother asked why he didn't put any money into the offering plate. After all, he said he was a Christian, and good Christians should be opening their wallets when the offering plate or bag gets passed around, right? He responded by saying he does give. He gives regularly to his home church. This brings about another common question. Who should you be giving to? Along with this question, you could also ask, can I give to ministries or charities instead of my home church? After all, I'm still giving. This tends to be a tough question, even more so for someone like myself, whose wife's job and livelihood depends on donations from people. Not only this, but the Bible is fairly silent on the question, just stating that we need to be smart with our resources and we ha- uh, that we've been given and that we should be giving to the Lord. If we look at it from a practical and logical sense, though, I think we can safely say that our first fruits or offering should go to our home church. This money is needed by the home church for practical things like building upkeep, paying staff salaries, and supporting the community. Take note of that point. Supporting the community. You see, part of the church's finances actually goes to supporting other ministries. So uh, so it's not as if you give to the church and it means those other ministries uh, or the community don't see any benefit from it. For example, Auburn partners with a number of individuals whom they financially support as the budget allows. So, if say we, uh, if Auburn say was flush with cash, having paid for everything they needed to keep the doors open, first they are responsible. Uh, they are responsible, commanded, and do. Give to other ministries, such as those my wife runs, or Ben runs, or a number of other ones. The second part of this, uh, of this comes along with the idea of good stewardship. Say someone has decided to regularly give 10% off the top, and at the end of the year, they find through their budget, uh, they have some extra money left over that they want to give. Where that goes, I'd say, is totally up to you, wherever you want to support if you want to support Youth Unlimited, for example, go for it. Or maybe you want to give to the Tippets at Wycliffe. Go for it. Sometimes you might find that following your budget at the end of the year, uh, at the end of the year, af- uh, after making, all the, making sure all of your debt is paid, saving contributions for retirements and investments are made, there's some extra money left over. You can give this to various ministries. If you notice, for example, that there's a regular surplus every month uh, after all of your expenses are taken care of, you can decide to partner with monthly ministries that need it. But throughout all this, we need to make sure that we're giving to our home church first. Even if you can only give to, uh, uh, to your home church or Auburn, be rest assured that the deacons here do make it a priority to give and support the community and other ministries financially. So, to summarize, as a Christian, you should be giving, and there are really good reasons why you should be giving to your home church first. When it comes to giving, it's important to remember that no matter how much we give, we should be doing so joyfully. We give not out of compulsion to a law, because of a formula tells us we should give that much, or to get more material wealth out of the deal, but out of our generosity, This generosity is something that is perfectly displayed in God and his son, Jesus. God generously provides for us in many ways, including giving his son to die for us so that we can spend eternity with him. Furthermore, we should remember what Jesus gave up. Jesus left behind the glory and riches of heaven, coming to earth to fulfill the law and die for our sins. Acts chapter twenty. Verses 35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I'd encourage you that if you have any other questions about giving or tithing, please reach out to myself or one of the other elders or deacons. A great way to ensure that you're regularly giving here at Auburn is the preauthorized system. If you want more information on that, you can reach out to my dad, Walter Volk, um, or email Diane uh, to get more information or a form to get signed up for that. Uh, With that, I'll ask the worship team to come up. I'll just uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for the generosity uh, that you have shown us, God. You've provided for us uh, all of our uh, material things. You've provided for us health. Um, you've provided so many different things for us, God. We just thank you for that. We ask that you impress upon our lives uh, the need for us to be generous. Give us opportunities to be generous, God, and just help us to be smart uh, about uh, our finances and being generous to uh, others. Uh, We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.